Welcome to the Good Shepherd in the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. So in the atrium, artwork is so much more than just a drawing of pretty pictures that we put up on our fridge or we store for our children to look at, hopefully maybe one day when they're older. Art in the atrium, it allows the children to express things that are inside of them that are hard to say. This isn't limited to the atrium or artwork in the atrium. You can, children can experience this between atrium sessions or at home or with grandparents or um, when there's no atrium sessions. Art is this really beautiful way that allows children to express themselves. Art can be the response to the Sunday Gospels, maybe, or to a prayer time as a family, or when you're having a hard or difficult day, maybe a difficult conversation. Art can center a person. It can settle them. It can do so much. So today I want to share with you a conversation that I had with Mary Marioni about a year ago, and we're finally able to share this conversation with you all. It's about artwork as the child's expression. There's also an article written by Tilde Cochini, who was a collaborator with Sophia and Gianna, and this goes very well with this episode. So I'm going to put a link to this article in the show notes, so please go check it out and enjoy your eyes being open to the beauty that's behind those scribbled yellow pieces of paper. I really hope you enjoy. Mary, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast with us. Oh, I'm happy to be here, Carrie, and happy to to speak about, to talk with you about the children and their artistic expression. Well, tell me, Mary, why is this so important? I think it's important for um, us to really know better who the child is. Um, And this is both in the atrium and at home. I mean, for all of us, for all adults that are really um, invested in, in serving the religious life of children, the atrium and the home really can be a place where children and adults live a religious experience together. And we need to recognize that the only teacher truly is Christ and that this, this therefore becomes a, p- a place of prayer. In the atrium, we say that it's a place where work and study spontaneously become meditation, contemplation, and prayer. And Sophia Gavaletti, one of our founders, she always spoke of prayer as response, that in the atrium, we give the children something to respond to both in the announcement of the gospels, the, the focusing on, you know, the liturgy, um, the gifts of baptism, various ways um, that we take a listening stance before God. And it is through the, how does the child respond, particularly when they may not have words yet or enough words to, to respond verbally. It is through the work of their hands, sometimes through song, sometimes small words, or I should say great words, like the young one who said, Alleluia to the mighty God. (laughs) Um, 
but but most often art expression is a way for the children to respond, a way that they can respond um, through meditation and contemplation, through through prayer, a prayerful response. So we need to both understand what it is within the child and you know how we should um, be careful with them to support their word and not intrude upon it. Mm-hmm. We don't want to step in between the conversation happening between God and the child. Mm-hmm. I love this idea that art is a way for children to speak to God or to us or to anyone when they don't know how to find the exact words for what they are feeling, for what they are feeling inside of themselves. Right. And and that is between them and God. I mean, most often as adults, we feel the need to respond or to ask the children about their work, or they really learn to do that work to give to us. And what do we do? We usually put it on the refrigerator, you know, and, and really what we need to look at is that in in the atrium we know the primary purpose of the art materials is to engage the child's hand and head and heart in meditation and contemplation Mm -hmm. and so they they it serves as an aid to prayer um and this is a core spiritual characteristic of the youngest child i mean they they so we want to we want to best understand it so we can serve them better um you know, so how do we invite them into that work? You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to give them direction. Now draw the nativity that you just heard. Or, you know, we, we, we want to just invite them gently. How, how might we keep thinking about what we have just seen or heard? Mm-hmm. What, what can we do? Maybe there's a way, maybe there's some image we want to put on paper that can help us think more deeply about what we've just seen or heard, um, rather than suggesting that the jo- child draw, you know, a chalice, mm-hmm. you know, that we want to make sure that our wording doesn't involve a, you know, like a static response, that that we want to open it as much as possible. Close-minded. Right. So it's not draw this, but draw about this. Right. Right. What could we how could we think more? How could we ponder more? And what might that look like if we were to put it to paper? It is so easy for us as adults to want a specific product or result from the child. Yes. It takes a lot of inner work for ourselves to separate ourselves from desire for the child to come to this conclusion on our timetable. Exactly. They're not looking to to produce a product. Mm -hmm. They are processing what they have received and responding to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, it it brings to mind um, uh, uh, an image. This just came came to mind. A, A child had seen the preparation of the chalice. So all the wine is poured into the chalice and then a drop of water. Right. And this speaks to when we see this gesture at mass, it, it speaks to, you know, all that wine being being Christ. Right. And then that drop of water, all of us and how we are united with him. And, you know, the children, they take in many things in the atrium. And there's this one beautiful image. And this is I think the child is six or seven, an older child. Mm-hmm. 
But he draws the priest um, preparing the chalice on the altar, and you see like the drop, the, the blue drop of water, or maybe a couple of blue drops of water going into the chalice that's already colored red, right? But then lined up behind the priest are seven or eight sheep. Hmm. But guess what color they are? They're blue, oh, same color I love that. as the drop of water. And, you know, we we might see many different colored sheep, but I, I haven't seen blue sheep. <laughs> so what is this child, you know, what is this child thinking about? The child was expressing a moment of liturgy through the use of parable and artistic expression. And, and that child needs space to do that. The child was showing their understanding without having to use words. Right. There has been so many times as a catechist that the child will start drawing and what I think they are drawing or perceive them drawing is not what I had in mind that they should be drawing. But as I have grown, and especially after reading this article, who knows what the child has going on inside of them? Right. Who knows what they are thinking about and pondering about as they are coloring the whole page yellow? And I see a waste of a yellow pencil. Oh, there is never a waste of yellow. It is the most used pencil in the atrium, the color yellow. <laughs> they fill everything with light. And it's true. We can have a lot of ideas about what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, let's look at, you know, what does it mean to express yourself, right? The, the word itself comes from expression to bring out, mm. not to, you know, push inside. It's from inside out. And that's what we talk about um, as far as how we are with the children in the atrium, you know, to call forth this relationship that already exists within the child. And we can't know. I have had times when, you know, I've seen children drawing things that I wonder, you know, what does that have to do with anything? But what I look at is how is the child? Is the child content? Is the child contemplating? Is the child serious in the work they're doing? If so, if that is what I see on the child, then they are in conversation with God. I'm not going to touch them. Now, there may be other times when you can tell by their demeanor that they are not working, right? You can't interrupt a child's work if they're not working. However, you need to be very careful to interrupt a child who is. I cringe to think back at moments as a catechist that I probably have interrupted that artistic expression in the child. Yes. Or whatever communication was happening inside the child between them and God, because I interrupted because of my lack of understanding of what was going on inside of them. Right. In your desire to serve. And to think of how that might have stifled the child's desire for future artistic expression because I misunderstood what they were doing. Well, and, you know, we can do that in a number of different ways, Carrie, that we need to really be careful of. All of us have done it and will continue to do it. And God bless the children. They love us anyway. They, they really do. Mm -hmm. But even in when a child brings something to us, that we be very careful in how, 
how we respond to what we're seeing. We, we don't mm-hmm. want to claim it for ourselves or, or put meaning on it that may not exist or may exist for the child. The child, if we ask them, you know, oh, tell me about your, your, um, your picture. Tell me about your artwork. You know what? They, they are telling us about their relationship with God. They've already told us. Mm. They don't necessarily have words. They're showing us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even in how are we, if they bring something to us, um, so that we can keep it theirs, you know, and be very respectful of that. I mean, we can say, um, uh, you know, I mean, often I know I have said, oh, tell me about it. You want to tell me about your drawing? And and I've seen, you know, um, that can be embarrassing to them because, no, they can't tell me. Mm. But if I if I can just even just nod and smile or say I like it or it's beautiful, I don't have to give expression to it. I, I remember a sweet one. This was in, in one of our annual journals. Um, the child had simply drawn an altar ball. They had been very happy in in uh, reflecting on the mass and felt that you know in at mass Jesus brings everything all and all right all in all and that's what the child drew. The child was delighted in that work. Could the child talk about that? No, that's the only thing the child could say. It's an altar ball. Oh. You know, what was important was not the moment after the drawing was finished. What was important is what was happening within the child as they were expressing themselves. Because they weren't expressing themselves for us. They were having a conversation with God. So even an adult walking up to the child while they are drawing to say, oh, look at the beautiful picture, that might be disruptive to that inner communication that is happening with inside the child mm-hmm. between them and God. Yes. Yeah, we don't, you know, we wait patiently and they may bring it to us. And if they do, then we delight with them. But we don't need a lot of words there unless they offer words or they ask for something. But we are always quick, too quick, I think, sometimes to respond or to question um, in our desire for relationship, certainly, but, you know, we need, we need to be careful with it. You know, I, it, it makes me think of a time that I was simply practicing our observation, my observation of children, which is something all of us, any adult involved with a child should learn, I would say, virtuous practice of, of observation. First, let's see who this child is before us. And at the time, I wasn't really happy about it. I had a lot of things to do. And the thought of spending two hours sitting in a chair and watching (laughs) one child, I was new to the work. I wasn't sure that I was able to do that. The catechist had presented the parable of the hidden treasure to uh, maybe three children. And I decided I was going to watch, observe this one little girl who went from the announcement of the parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when he finds it, he hides the treasure, goes and sells everything he has in his joy and buys the field, right? So Mm -hmm. the child goes from that announcement over to the nativity, which is a very 
popular work, let us say, in the atrium, mm-hmm. right? Every, there's always someone working with the birth of, of Christ. And so she takes it out. She very happily works with it. The assistant reads the scripture, and then she goes on to the art materials, and she draws um, baby Jesus. And as you said earlier, the whole page is filled with yellow. There's a lot of light in the form of hay, but there is a lot of right light surrounding baby Jesus. And maybe I think there was Mary and Joseph and maybe a cow and a bull or an ox. There are things there. A typical nativity image for a young child. She was maybe five. Um, but at his head, right next to his head, was a treasure box. Mm. And that's when I realized this child who didn't even realize I was watching, I was observing, you know, she had and I, she had heard the announcement of a treasure hidden in a field. And when she heard that, she realized that that's who Jesus was. His birth was a treasure hidden in a shepherd's field. Mm. And the parable of the kingdom brought her to the incarnation. And I had never connected those two before. She's five years old. And she didn't do that for anyone. And and I just happened to be watching her. How many of them are doing that on a regular basis and we don't have eyes to see? It, yeah. Right? Jesus, it was another thing Jesus said when he was talking about the children, right? About the, he said to his friends, blessed are you who see what you see. Prophets and kings have longed to see it and they didn't see it. And I, I really feel that when we can truly see the conversation between the child and God, we will stand with Jesus and say the same thing, right? Prophets and kings have longed to see what we see. We have to be willing to slow down enough and open our hearts to what God is revealing and not what we are hoping to see in order to encounter those kind of moments. Because like you said, you had no connection between that parable and the incarnation. You opened up your eyes enough for God to reveal that to you. Well, and God, I, I really have to be honest here, Carrie, God opened up my eyes. I was not necessarily a happy camper sitting there. I was just writing what I saw, and then I saw it. Do you know what I mean? So it was a practice that I was not necessarily fully open to. And even in that, because I was simply sitting and observing and writing what I saw, I was able to see it. Mm. And it was quite remarkable. And again, like I said, and that was only because I, I wasn't even looking for that. I was just looking. How many times do the children have this deep conversation with God? And, you know, it goes into their folder or it goes up on the refrigerator and we don't really see what they're proclaiming because they are proclaiming. What's so fascinating about that for me is that the children, they have this profound encounter with God as they are doing this artwork. And then they put it in their folder or put it on the fridge or they gift it to you, like you Uh said, because they're done with it. They've had the moment. They don't need the paper anymore. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. That moment is past. So then even to ask them, it's past. They've already had the conversation with him, right? Mm -hmm. Not with you, with him. That really shows our place in this relationship between God and the child. That there is something 
much greater that is happening between the two of them that we are not a part of. Like that gift that you were given on that day where you Mm -hmm. were able to see a glimpse of it. Every once in a while, we get to see a glimpse of it. But we are definitely not part of that conversation. Right. Right. Humble us, oh God. Right. I mean, certainly we want the child to feel free and satisfied Mm -hmm. with the work solely because they've done it. Right. That's that's the purpose. Now, they may want to speak about it Mm -hmm. with us. And if they do, then we should listen attentively and and always, you know, measuring our words. I mean, you know, we want to be really careful that we never um, imply that we're the initiator of the work. Right. Or the one who it's made for, Mm -hmm. because that's not what it's about. And often that's the way we are. Mm -hmm. And we are that way in kindness and a desire to serve. But we we need to really be careful about it. I think Mm -hmm. we want to not intrude upon that very precious conversation, that response that the person, no matter how young, has taken a listening stance and now is responding. That's between them and God. And we have to be very careful in how we respond because it could result in a lost interest. So we have to be very careful. Right. Mary, is this easy for all children, this artistic expression? Well, I think it, um, I think I would say this is natural for the child but can be impeded by the adults in their life. So again, our need for caution, the, w- the way they develop in their artwork, we, we need to better understand. And we have a lovely article. Um, it was in our 2001 journal. There is an article on the artistic expression of children in the atrium. And Tilde speaks about how, how their their work develops as far as what they draw first, how they enjoy working with um, a pencil, with a, a spiral, with a circle, with dots and mm-hmm. a line. That develops into the children seeing the resemblance between those dots and tittles um, to figures, and, and that grows over time. Mm-hmm. They, they're... Um, first artwork really may not be very realistic. And we as adults are usually seeking the realistic. Mm -hmm. We need to calm down and let them draw what they draw Mm -hmm. and, and have some freedom in their movement. And then gradually we will come to better see um, them become more and more realistic in what they draw. But I would encourage everyone, you know, to read this article when they're interrupted, it, it may really hinder their ability to express themselves artistically, but, but certainly it's, it's something that can be healed with the child if they're, they're given some freedom to just express themselves. I would love to read a paragraph from Tilde's article, Artistic Expression of the Children in the Atrium. The commonly held view that children's artistic expressions are without value if they are not realistic prevents children from drawing what pleases them. It spurs the adult to intervene and propose realistic drawings to the children prematurely without regard for the personal development of the child as deduced from preceding drawings. 
So what I hear from this as a catechist and also as a mother, when I see my children drawing something that I personally have no value to, to not intervene, to let the children have that encounter, if that's what's happening, or that internal growth, or to naturally get to whatever development they are getting to. Because my intervention by saying something like, why don't you draw a picture of Jesus? Then I have taken away their personal expression of what they're trying Mm -hmm. to do, and they no longer have Mm -hmm. any interest in it at all. Right. And I think I think the best thing we can remember, be it catechist or or mother, um, parent, you know, or grandparent, you know, or anyone really involved in the, the life of the child or the mm-hmm. religious life of the child is that we should be looking at the child first mm-hmm. rather than the expression, because in the child, we will see, are they peaceful? Are they contemplating? Are they in a sacred space right now? It is so obvious on them when they're there. And it is also obvious when they are not there. You, you know what I mean? I, I One of my daughters, I won't name her, when she was, oh, it was a period of time between four and six. There was a short hallway in our in our home that was between the living room and her bedroom. And she thought it was her easel. And no matter what I did, she would not stop drawing on that easel um, because she needed a big canvas. I ended up getting her an easel and it didn't so much help. But now looking back at the expression that that child needed at the time, um, and I guess the fact that you can actually buy paint that children can, or anyone can write and draw on, um, it was really, if I had looked at her instead of the wall, it would have changed what happened in that moment in her life. No, I'm going to have to give her a call and say, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. You know, because we tend to look at the product, as you said earlier, we tend to look at the product, not the person. And, And this is, I think, normal and natural in us, in our desire to help and to love. But, but let's focus on the person. Let's focus on their countenance and let's get to used to looking and seeing what, what peace and joy looks like on the face of a child. And let's never interrupt that. Right. Because that might be what they find is peace and joy. Right. That emotion might be how they're connecting with God. Right. Right. Mary, what about the older child and their artistic expression, like the level three child? Oh, well, level three... Uh, you know, what comes to mind, I mean, certainly at each age and stage, their ability to draw, to write, you know, uh, continues to affect their expression. And also, I think the older they are, the more they move toward product. Mm-hmm. But but they tend to, the older they are, the, the bigger the work. Uh, so we have a number of, of different ways that we can look at their art expression. Sometimes it will be um, certainly on paper, something they've heard and they now now respond to. I, I see this particularly in their work with the prophecies, how they are very capable of combining in their conversation the unity of scripture and liturgy in a mm-hmm. very beautiful and profound way. 
I was thinking, though, when you said the older child, the, the nine to 12 year old, had a group of very typical boys. And so it was, I think, the beginning of Advent. And they had heard the um, genealogy found just before Noah. In fact, I think we were st studying Noah at the time. But then they also heard at Christmas the genealogy found in Matthew. And they found that they didn't necessarily match up. And then they found that there were, I think, uh, two or three other genealogies in the Bible. I mean, they were very intrigued by this. And they spent, Carrie, they spent three years trying to get this down on paper. Wow. And it was very beautiful. I mean, it was very beautiful. And they, I mean, we lost a couple of <laughs> versions. I mean, it was quite an adventure. But they illustrated, as they worked through this genealogy, they were really working through the history of salvation. And they illuminated the whole thing with images from the history of salvation. I mean, you had the four rivers of creation. You had the Red Sea. You had the... River Jordan. I mean, there there was so much in this context, and what when they were finally finished, they they wrote this little explanation of their journey and how long it had taken, and how some pieces had been lost, but that they had finally um, presented the family of God from the Lord God to His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this was just. Typical boys. I mean, it was quite, quite an art piece. I have it. And you know, because of who they are, after all of this, when they were finished, because about midway, I started to worry, who's going to take this home? <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't say anything, but I was trying to figure out, you know, we have four of them working on this. When they were finished, they handed it to me because when they were finished, they were finished. Yes. So I have it framed in my, hanging in my office. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it was a beautiful work. It was a big work. It was one that took quite some time. Their expression, sometimes I see um, they're like the scribes of old you know, where they are copying and illuminating scripture because they're so in love with the word of God. Um, and they and they make it very beautiful. In fact, I had one uh, boy, he was preparing for communion and decided his name was Joel, that he was going to write the book of Joel. And I honestly didn't think that he would finish. But, you know, I thought the thought was lovely and enjoy it as long as you want to enjoy it. That boy wrote the book of Joel and illuminated it. It's a small book. Still, it's a lot of words for somebody that young. So, you know, I mean, again, this space of expression, what was happening within him as he went through that book, which is a, you know, a powerful book, book of prophecy. What I hear is that the older child, just like the younger child, they need the freedom and the space in order to encounter, in order to discover these encounters to discover these connections with Jesus, to make these syntheses. They have their own ahas and light bulb moments that inspire them to make them want to express them through writing or pictures or discussion. But even the older child wants to express what's going on inside right. of them, but they need that space and time and freedom in order right. for them to make those aha moments themselves. Because if you were to have just sat there and said, hey, guys, look at this timeline and yeah. look at this timeline, 
it would have diminished that three years worth of growth that those boys had. Right. I mean, it would have, right. It would have been homework. I mean, you know, it wasn't even something that, I mean, we touched on lightly. It wasn't the main point that we were even given, but it was something that they heard and then they had to know. And through that desire to know and that desire to listen, they spent quite a long time looking at the family of Jesus, you know, and, and trying to put that to paper. That's powerful. It was quite, quite wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and we'll see that, you know, with the older children, with the nine to 12 year olds, they're doing typology studies. They're uh, expressing themselves with that. It's quite amazing to see how they put those things together, Mm -hmm. how they, they make those connections and those understandings. Mary, before we finish up, would you please touch on the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and their work with the art of the child? Carrie, well, we're really excited about the exhibit because this was a couple of years ago. We were looking for a way to help people better understand the religious life of children. And we knew that one way to help them was to present the children's artwork, their theological expressions, their prayers, in a way that could be seen, in a way that held the dignity of the work that they were doing. And so we were blessed by JRC Design and Carbon Footprint. Both those companies had developed the Arizona Centenary exhibit that traveled around the state. I mean, you know, it was really excellently done and presented. And what it shows is the artwork of the children, a taste of what the atrium might look like, and really uh, an invitation to come and see. An invitation uh, really that looked to, do you see what I see? Can you see what they're saying? And When it was launched here in Phoenix, we had it in this beautiful old Adobe mission where we had invited, you know, um, families, catechists, priests, pastors. Um, Bishop Olmsted was there at the beginning, and it was really interesting. He, He had said that he was struck by their artwork, that there was a freshness in it, and that that you could see how God speaks to children and how they responded. And that he had not really, even though I had been telling him for a number of years that it wasn't actually seeing the artwork of the children, that he could he could better understand. And also we had this, you know, this exhibit in this old mission in, in Old Town Scottsdale. We haven't had people, you know, visitors, people on vacation come in to see and sit and question, you know, it was really interesting how many people really came to a better understanding of who the child was with this exhibit. And of course, the purpose of the exhibit was to lift up, to advocate for the the life of, of the religious life of the children. So what we did then was we put together a very small booklet you can get on our, our website, which is a collection of some of the artwork and an explanation of either what the child said about the artwork or um, the the setting, you know, the catechist told us what the child was hearing, what the announcement was, and, and what the child was responding to. So it's a very small but very lovely book. There's some really great insight in there. I, I think one of my favorite in that book was, and it's the youngest child. Well, there's two, actually. I'll tell you two. 
One is found sheep. And, you know, it's just stick figures. You can barely make out that you have the shepherd and the sheep there, barely, because it's just very um, rough line drawings. But the lips of the shepherd, it's as close to a heart as this little hand could make. And those lips are the only, well, not the only thing painted red. The, The child had colored in those lips red and then the sheep is totally red. Once again, I have not seen a cherry red sheep before, but this sheep was obviously covered in kisses from the Good Shepherd. Sweet, sweet, sweet work. The other, also one of the younger drawings in there is, and again, at first you don't necessarily see that it's two figures, two human figures, and there's a lot of color that goes back and forth, a lot of red that goes back and forth. And you see that there's something that looks like a burning flame in the middle of these two figures. The child said that it was, well, the child drew this after hearing the presentation on the visitation of Mary to Elizabeth. And the child said that it was Jesus and John hugging. Now, Jesus and John are not present in the image. It's Mary and Elizabeth with the Holy Spirit in between and the color of much love moving all around the three of them. Again, it's it's quite astonishing and something that we would maybe see as just a lot of color, you know, not necessarily seeing what is being said. So people can contact CGS USA about potentially hosting this exhibit? Yes. Well, and our hope is that the exhibit is going to travel around the country. We have um, information on our website, um, cgsusa.org, and there's a hosting packet if you know they want to know more about what it would mean to host it. There's also a, a small um, little video on what the exhibit is, and of course the book is available. What I love about this exhibit and the book is that it really shows us the power behind the artistic expression of the child, that there is a communication happening between the child and God, like what we've been talking about. It's really getting that message out there in a very visible way. Right. Well, I I think the the exhibit itself is really an innovative way to, to share you know, I would say the evangelizing power of this method of catechesis, because um, really in giving the child space and time and the announcement, the, the method that lifts up the sights and sounds and of, of liturgy and of scripture, that it helps parents and priests and parishes and families, you know, really to explore this this method of catechesis and you know, the mission and work of the Catechesis of Good Shepherd, you know, what, what it is we're doing and why that is so important in the life of the child. Well, thank you so much, Mary. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us, especially about the artwork of the children and for your service for the last 30 years with the association. Oh, and thank you, Carrie. It's been delightful to talk with you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode The Heart of the Child exhibit, it's currently not a possibility because of the pandemic that's going on, but when things settle down and if you feel called to host this exhibit, you can find more information on our website. There's also a really beautiful video that goes with this exhibit that I will put a link to in the show notes that you can enjoy now. 
Mary and I recently, we were just discussing this topic of art with children in the atrium again, and I was telling her about how I have had many adults come and talk to me about what to do when the art that the children is doing is not necessarily contemplative in the atrium. So I kind of wanted to do my best to condense and share some of her wisdom on this with you before we finish this episode on Art of the Child. Just like in this episode, Mary spoke about the deep need to really watch the child and to see if they are truly in a contemplative place. And it's really hard to gauge that. So almost when in doubt, trust, trust the child's wisdom. And it really takes a few weeks of true observing of the child to know if the art that they are doing is truly contemplative or not, and if we should intervene. This is a very hard thing to discern. So it's something that should be taken to prayer and should really be rooted in observing the child to watch their state when they are doing the artwork. And she was very generous also to offer her email address if you really are having difficulty knowing how you should handle a situation that she is willing to listen. So there is a book that goes with this topic and with the exhibit called the heart of the child art book that you might want to check out and look at it it has a bunch of beautiful pictures of children's artwork i will put a link to that book in our show notes as well i would like to say a huge thank you to everybody who filled out the survey for our podcast i am so blown away by your generosity of your time to do the survey for us. It was very encouraging to read everybody's notes and had some really amazing ideas for future podcast episodes and also a lot of ideas to help us grow and do this project better. Thank you so very much. I also would like to say congratulations to our winner, Susan Perry from Decatur, Georgia. Congratulations. You will be receiving the book, Look at the Light. So watch your mail. Congratulations, Susan. We have also begun our annual appeal for CGS USA. Our goal is $100,000 by the end of 2020. So we ask each of you to please prayerfully consider financially joining us on this mission. This podcast is sponsored by CGS USA. So we want to thank all of those contributing members of the association because you are making this podcast possible. If you want to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for joining us, and we will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.